The Optus cyber attack takes a very unusual twist with the purported hacker apologising to Optus and its customers, saying they've deleted the data. The star accepts it's unfit to hold a casino licence but begs for leniency, and NASA smashes an asteroid. It's Wednesday, the 28th of September, 2022. Welcome to Fear and Greed, Australia's most popular business podcast. I'm Michael Thompson, and good morning, Sean Aylmer. Good morning, Michael. Now that NASA story, it's all for you. Oh, thank you. Well, I think we should disclose that I did actually ask you yesterday can we please just do the entire show today <laughs> on on the NASA story? And somehow you overruled me. The, the funny thing is that, you know, you asked kind of in a good-hearted way and then waited for an answer. So yeah. <laughs> just there was that lingering thing. Maybe we could, maybe, it's, it's just, possibly. Just, just in case there wasn't anything else happening today, maybe yeah. we could have just spent the entire time talking about asteroids. But, of course. Alas, there's a whole world going on out there that had nothing to do with asteroids. Yeah, there certainly is. And your interview today is with Karen West, who is the founder of Apostle Funds Management. A very, very topical interview, investing in volatile times. That's right. And they invest in both equities and bonds, which makes it really interesting. They also are impact funds. So what they, when I asked her directly, if you're an impact fund, doesn't that mean that you can't sort of spread your risk? And she gave a great response why that was uh, that was incorrect. And just the different asset classes that they're investing in to try and get returns for investors. And while, you know, we know equities are going backwards and bonds are going backwards, lots of other asset classes that they've invested in. It's a really interesting chat. Yeah, it's a cracker. It's coming up a little bit later on. But the main story this morning, Sean, is is really all about Optus. And the cyber attack uh, took a, a pretty unusual turn yesterday. The hackers allegedly behind the data breach said that they had deleted the data and won't sell it to anyone. It's just getting just a touch weird. Would you agree? Yes, really, really weird. Hmm. Now, almost 10 million current and former Optus users have had information stolen by hackers. A hacker claiming to have breached Optus's firewall then revealed stolen details of 10,000 people yesterday morning following a release of a sample of 200 people over the weekend. The hacker then, apparently, had a change of heart and posted that the data had been deleted, that's the stolen data had been deleted, and apologised to the 10,200 Australians whose data was leaked. They also sent their deepest apology to Optus and said hope all goes well from here. Hmm. No one is saying if the leaked data is the information stolen from Optus, but clearly there is some credibility to the messages from the alleged hacker. Previously, the person had demanded $1 million US dollars ransomware, but now the hacker doesn't want that either. Very unusual. Yeah, I don't know, Sean. It just feels like there is more to this than we are hearing at the moment, but we will see kind of what comes out in, in coming days and weeks. Uh, apart from the apology, what is Optus doing? Well, late on Monday night, the Australian Federal Police announced a criminal investigation working with Optus and overseas law enforcement agencies. It's also become a hot political issue with Home Affairs Minister Claire O'Neill saying Optus had left open the door to a basic hack Attorney General Mark Dreyfus said the breach should never have happened, but the Telco's chief executive, Kelly Bayer-Rosmarin, rejected the claims yesterday, saying the attack was sophisticated. She said it was the work of some bad actors and they were the villains in this story. Ms. Rosmarin resisted calls for her to resign and said Optus would work to rebuild trust with the 11 million customers affected. That's going to be quite the job. 
Meanwhile, Australians around the country hit by the attack are wondering what to do with state governments stepping in to try to help people replace things like stolen driver's licences. It seems the one theme coming from this, Michael, is the need for two-step authentication. That's when you log in and you get sent a code to your mobile phone before being able to enter an application. Sounds like a very good idea, I think, at this point. Yeah, it certainly does. We've talked so much recently uh, in, in probably the last kind of 12 to 18 months about cyber attacks, and and really this is just such a huge story that that is still unfolding. Yeah. Now, local markets, what happened yesterday? Well, it was actually a pretty good day given the lead-in from Wall Street. The S&P ASX 200 closed up 0.4% to 6,496 points, notwithstanding the S&P 500, Wall Street was down 1% by the close. Now, at one point during the day yesterday, the local market had fallen sharply, but then it slowly recovered throughout afternoon trading. It was basically the reverse of Monday. The energy and materials companies did well, and the more defensive stocks underperformed. BHP and Rio Tinto were both up nearly 3%. Fortescue jumped 5.5%. Woodside and Santos both did well. The banks were mixed. Best in the day was Brain Chip Holdings, up more than 7%, while the local coal companies, Whitehaven and New Hope, which tumbled on Monday, both rose sharply. There you go. Worst on the day was called Lithium, down 5.6%. Mind you, it remains the best performing stock over the past year of the top 200, up almost 200%. And Michael, a special mention to ASX-listed Lithium Explorer Metals Grove Mining, not on the top 200, a very small company. Its share price jumped more than 60% yesterday after it said it had identified a significant lithium deposit in Western Australia. 60% in one day. Mm. What a cracker. Yeah. Uh, how about international markets? What's happening? Well, commodities are really taking centre stage at the moment. Fears of the global economy tipping into recession has pushed the Bloomberg Commodity Spot Index, which measures 23 futures contracts, to its lowest level since January last year. It's off more than 20% since its peak in June, and all the gains post-Russia's invasion of Ukraine have now dissipated. Not helping commodities is the appreciating US dollars. Major commodities are priced in US dollars, and as the greenback rises, commodities become less attractive for other nations. So prices of oil, copper, iron ore, aluminium, and other metals have fallen in recent sessions. Speaking of currencies, Michael, the Aussie dollar remains under pressure against the US dollar, though it is up from its low on Monday evening of 64.36 US cents. It's currently trading around that 65 US cent mark. Cryptocurrencies have had a better 24 hours. Bitcoin's back above 20,000 US dollars a unit. Okay, we'll be back in a moment with the rest of the day's business news. Sean, the star has conceded to New South Wales regulators that it isn't fit to hold a casino license, but has asked to be able to continue operating under strict supervision. That's right. The gaming giant was given until yesterday to respond to a show cause notice from the New South Wales Independent Casino Commission to explain why it shouldn't lose its license or face fines of up to $100 million. Ben Heap, the star's interim executive chair, said the group accepted the findings of the Bell report, including the finding of unsuitability. But in a letter to Chief Commissioner of the NICC, Philip Crawford, he asked for leniency, arguing that the appropriate action NICC should take is to allow the Star Entertainment Group to continue to operate the licence under strict supervision and be held accountable to the milestones on its remediation plan. Mr Heap asked the regulator to look at the work already done, including hiring 53 consultants to help oversee the remediation plan and installing 15 new facial recognition cameras. The Star share price closed up more than 1% yesterday, 
but it's down 30% this year. Sean, a company owned by the Papua New Guinea government has offered Santos $2.2 billion for a 5% stake in its LNG project in the country. Kumul Petroleum is PNG's national oil and gas company and it wants the stake. If successful, Santos's stake would fall to 37.5% and the PNG's government stake would rise to 22%. Santos inherited the asset after it acquired oil search last year. Sean, the petrol excise will be doubled from tonight, so really, fill up today. Absolutely. A litre of petrol will cost an extra 22.5 cents, which will push it beyond $2 a litre in many parts of the country. This is the reversal of a cost-of-living measure introduced temporarily by the previous government. Yesterday, Treasurer Jim Chalmers said the fuel excise would cost about $3 billion every six months if it wasn't restored. What that means, Michael, is that car owners will be paying an extra $3 billion over the next six months. Dr Chalmers also said there were dark days ahead for the Australian economy, saying the global economic outlook was getting worse. He was commenting after the OECD downgraded Australia's economic outlook for next year, but has forecast that Australia will avoid a recession. The OECD expects the economy to expand by 2%. In 2023, the OECD also downgraded global growth and warned of a deep recession in Europe if Russia's invasion triggers further fuel shortages. Have you filled up yet, Sean? I have. I have. (laughs) I did it last night. And did you fill up kind of every car connected to the family? Or? Pretty much, pretty much. And But I was upset because prices are still, I mean, near where I was, it was $1.93 a litre. That's still fairly high, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you did mention last week that that you thought that that maybe those prices were actually starting to creep up in advance of the excise kind of going back up. And I noticed that too. And I went to uh, to fill up with, even took the jerry can down so I could fill up. Did the, you really? Yeah. <laughs> I take your warning seriously. If uh, yeah. you tell me to do something, I go. Oh, I better, I better listen. Sean told me. <laughs> Just kidding. I rarely listen. Now, US Vice President Kamala Harris has thanked Prime Minister Anthony Albanese for his leadership on climate change, saying it will benefit people right around the world. She said Mr Albanese has been particularly ambitious with his climate goals. Ms Harris and the Prime Minister are both in Tokyo, attending the funeral of former Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe. Ms Harris said the US and Australian approaches would work in tandem to tackle climate change, noting recent US legislation that dedicated $370 billion to the issue. And I quote, that will be to the benefit of the people of our respective nations and to the benefit of people around the world. Very grand. Former Prime Ministers John Howard, Tony Abbott and Malcolm Turnbull are also in Tokyo for the funeral. How about this one, Sean? More Australians changed jobs last year than any time in the last decade, and it's actually triggered a major headache for many workers, paying extra tax. In the year to February, 1.3 million people changed jobs in Australia, or 9.6% of employed people. But there was a lingering cost for employers' employees because during COVID, people accrued more leave than ever before. In fact, by September last year, Australians had 185 million leave days owing. According to a story in the Financial Review, employers should accrue the cost of leave over time, but employees that left jobs and were paid out were hit with big income tax bills. You throw in long service leave and the number grows even more. You know the best way to avoid the tax bill, Michael? How? Take a holiday. (laughs) Is Is that an invitation for me to go? You've just come back. 
you can't have one for a while. Oh, cheers. Thanks a lot. Now, I know you love a list. Mm. You are quite list obsessed, really. And there is another one out. This one is the Financial Review's Most Powerful People in Education. Yes, the top five includes three women and two men, and it also includes a married couple. New Federal Education Minister Jason Clare comes in at number one, followed by Australia's longest-serving University Vice-Chancellor, Margaret Gardner from Monash. Next is Secretary of the Federal Education Department, Michelle Bruniges, and then Vice-Chancellor at Sydney University, Mark Scott. Coming in at number five is high-profile principal of Winona School in North Sydney, Bryony Scott. As it turns out, Mark Scott and Bryony Scott I'm married. I wonder what the discussion's like over the dinner table. You know, Sean, I suspect they would talk about everything but education. Possibly. It'd be like one of those things where the last thing you want to do is kind of talk shop at home. Yes, that's very true. That's very true. Mark Scott, of course, is uh, well known because he ran the ABC for a while. He was a teacher. He was a journalist. I worked with him at Fairfax for a while. A good man, Mark. Yeah, indeed. And moving on to overseas news, and the World Bank has released economic forecasts, and it thinks China's economic expansion will be slower than the rest of Asia for the first time in more than 30 years. The zero COVID tolerance policy, which has hamstrung the economy totally, and the property market meltdown are the main reasons for the downgraded growth forecast of 2.8%. That compares with an expansion of more than 8% last year. Now, the outlook for the rest of Asia has improved, with the Asia-Pacific region expected to grow by more than 5% in 2022, thanks to high commodity prices and a rebound in domestic consumption. New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern has a fight on her hands to win a third term, with a poll showing she is narrowly trailing her opponents a year out from the next election. Support for Ardern's Labor Party rose one percentage point to 34% in a One News Cantar poll published yesterday with the main opposition National Party at 37%. Now, National's ally, the ACT Party, had 9% support, as did Ardern's partner, the Green Party, while 13% of respondents were undecided or refused to answer. The interesting thing here, Jacinta Ardern is extremely popular outside New Zealand, less so within her home country. Finally, Sean, the story that I think everyone has been waiting for. Everyone. Yep. And that I think we all would have enjoyed had it been the entire program. Mm. A NASA spacecraft has smashed an asteroid in the first test of whether deflection technology could in future divert the path of an incoming rock from space. Really is like a movie, isn't it? It it is. It is essentially just Armageddon. Hmm. So the 600-kilogram dart projectile closed in on its target yesterday. As it did, its camera sent back a spectacular series of images at a rate of about one per second, basically until rocks, boulders and smooth ground became visible on the surface of the peanut-shaped asteroid. Then came the moment of impact, right on target at 23,000 kilometres per hour, and then the picture feed died. Hmm. There you go. According to the Financial Times, scientists and engineers at Mission Headquarters at Johns Hopkins Applied Physics Laboratory in the US erupted in cheers and applause, hugs and handshakes. And NASA said it marked a new era for mankind whereby we can protect ourselves from hazardous asteroids. Sean, that is by far my favourite space story of the week. But 
if I was to nominate a, a second favorite space story mm. for the week, I would suggest this one. I don't know if you saw this uh, out of Tasmania with a, a meteorite oh, yes, at a school. Yes, yes, the, the faked meteorite that they were basically doing to kind of promote a science discovery day at a primary school in, in Tasmania. And it, and it was so well done. They had done it all with kind of a local company and looked like this giant rock had just smashed into the car park of the of the Tasmanian primary school that it just took off online and they basically had to put out statements saying no a meteorite hasn't crashed into a school <laughs> in Australia my favorite was that the um i think the principal of the school said uh, admitted we didn't think it would go this big <laughs> well well i mean the thing is it looks fantastic if you search for it just look for i think corpus christi Catholic school meteorite or something like that, you will find it. It is, it's an absolute ripper. Second favorite space story of the week. Fantastic. Anyway, all right. Up next is the Fear and Greed Daily interview with Karen West from Apostle Funds Management. Yep. As we mentioned at the top of the show, great chat about how to invest in volatile times, particularly when you're an impact investor. Indeed, it's coming up next in the Fear and Greed playlist on your podcast platform or at fearandgreed.com.au. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Michael. It's Wednesday, the 28th of September, 2022. Make sure you're following the podcast and join us online on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. I'm Michael Thompson, and that was Fear and Greed. Have a great day.